Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Uh, April 12th, 2022, Flashpoint Beyond Zero is dropping. So uh, in lieu of having it as part of our regular daily uh, or weekly DC Spotlight, Rocky and I decided we'd put it all on, uh, out on its own, like we've done with a lot of the events lately. Uh, so if you're just curious about what's going on with Flashpoint Beyond, you can, uh, you can check it out here. So um, I have somewhat mixed feelings about it. Um, and we'll get into that. So I'm, I'm curious to your reception, Rocky. What do you think? Uh, this is massive. This is massive. I'm going to, uh, no surprise. I think, uh, I love DC. This is Jeff Johns at his finest. He has taken, he has every, there's everything in this. There's, there's doomsday clock references, Dr. Manhattan references. There is references to all, to so many past events, so many, uh, He's speaking outside. He's there, there's there's moments that are pu purely meta where he's speaking outside. He's almost talking as if he's a fan, looking at the DC universe, expressing some frustration. Uh, we can live vicariously through Thomas Wayne in this Flashpoint that in, in this Flashpoint universe because it's not supposed to exist yet. It does. We're we're confused. We're wondering what's going on with the DC universe continuity wise. We got a dark crisis coming up, and I'm feeling all convoluted and everything else. And then along comes Flashpoint Beyond with Jeff Johns and suddenly could it actually be possible that he's going to find a way to make this mess make sense I think he might actually pull it off and this first issue man it, it really impressed me with the questions I that, that I find myself asking and I know I've I sound like a broken record sometimes I get so excited and then I come crashing down to earth but <laughs> I I'm, I really enjoyed this and I'm, I'm glad we're giving it its own special its own opening uh, podcast here or live stream or whatever. Uh, I just, I, I think it deserves it. Yeah. My, my reservations come from 
Jeff John's recent track record. So there is an alternate universe out there where Jeff John's doesn't try to get away from comics and, and go more into films and television production and overseeing that stuff, uh, which is what he went to school for. And obviously he has a love and passion for it. I don't begrudge him that, but uh, there is a, a universe out there, part, probably part of the DC multiverse where he just stayed focused on comics, maybe even became editor in chief or publisher at DC and, you know, oversaw the line and DC overtakes Marvel and becomes the best selling comic book company. Uh, that's not that's not the reality that we live in, unfortunately. Uh, you know, he came back in and, and did some great things with Rebirth. That Rebirth special brought tears to many a DC fan's eyes. Um, and it was something special and it brought back the legacy and the, the family feel, the history of DC with that scene with Wally West and Barry Allen. And on the heels of that, we're supposed to get Doomsday Clock, which was going to, you know, build off that and explain, you know, what happened with the New 52 and, and how Dr. Manhattan was messing with the timeline and, and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, Doomsday Clock took two years, a 12-issue series that took two years because it went to a bi-monthly schedule. And again, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not privy to behind-the-scenes information. I don't know if it was Jeff turning in script slate, if it was Gary Frank's super detailed art combination of the two I don't know but you can't expect other writers to hold back on their stories or not move other things along when you're taking two years to tell your story and you know that's that's Jeff doing Jeff and he doesn't always necessarily see eye to eye creatively on what direction DC should go remember Dan Didio was uh, in you know the publisher at the time and was kind of steering the line and so it caused this mess and it caused this rift. And, and rather than cleaning things up, it made things even more confusing. We had the Thomas Wayne version of Batman showing up in Tom King's Batman run during that Batman rebirth era. Uh, and like Rocky said a little while ago, hey, he's not even supposed to exist. That timeline was supposed to have been erased. What the heck's going on? What happened? So now Diddy's out. 5G is no more. There's even a reference to it in this first issue, this Flashpoint Beyond Zero. We see a chalkboard where 5G is, is scratched out. The, the, literally, the letters or the number in the letter 5G are crossed out. It says averted next to it. You can see it on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, and so now, you know, what what is the future of, of DC hold? We had Future State. Rocky and I have lamented on that. What a failure we felt that was, you know, a possible future. And yet we're still getting Future State Gotham. We'll talk about that comic uh, in the DC Spotlight. But that future has already been erased from my understanding because Magistrate has been defeated in Gotham. So why do we even still have Future State Gotham? There's other possible futures that could have happened but shouldn't. They've been fixed. Teen Titans is another one. Catwoman's another one. The, the possibility of those Future State stories have already been addressed in their current runs. So what is the future of DC? Oh, well, is Jeff Johns going to be the one to tell us here with, with Flashpoint coming back beyond Flashpoint? You know, we, we're moving past Flashpoint. That's the whole idea of this Flashpoint beyond. Uh, but yet somehow the universe still exists. That's part of the mystery, part of what we're going to find out here. But again, my worry is, is Jeff, is he focused on this? Are we really going to get a good story? Because this was supposed to come out. These six issues were supposed to come out bi-weekly. So every two weeks, we were supposed to get an issue of Flashpoint Beyond, numbers zero through five. Already, before even this issue zero hit stands, DC's already pulled back on that and said, oh, hold on a second. 
It's not going to come out every two weeks. It's going to come out monthly. My fear is it's going to slip even further from that schedule, and it's not going to come out monthly, and it's going to be another situation like we had with Doomsday Clock where it becomes so late that you can't build on it. And it becomes this thing like, who cares? Doomsday Clock started off, there's so much excitement, and it, it honestly sort of fizzled. Um, and again, all due to schedule. So while there are some reasons to be excited, and certainly the underlying mystery here is interesting, and some of the events here are like, holy shit moments, um, I'm a little, I, I, I'm apprehensive. You know, and don't get me wrong, I love Jeff Johns. I'm a huge Jeff Johns fan. I've met Jeff several times. I've interviewed him. He's awesome. He's amazing. I want him doing more comics, but if his love is to do film and TV, then cool, go do film and TV. I like Jeff doing his own stuff over there, Image. I like him in the DC Universe, don't get me wrong, but like, don't even, don't even solicit or don't even plan for his work to come out until it's all written and drawn and ready to come out because, you know, people pay attention, DC fans especially pay attention when it says Jeff John's writer and they expect it to have impact and they expect it to have consequences. They expect it to tie into the legacy and they expect it to sort of chart the path forward. Jeff earned that for years at DC. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I, in a way he's tarnishing his own, his own legacy by having this stuff come out in fits and starts. So. That's that's my big worry, and then in terms of the issue itself, what is, what problems I had with this issue, uh, I'll talk about it after you give the recap, Rock. Yeah, well, there's there, there's quite a bit to recap, so I mean, feel free to interject and interrupt. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to collectively pause as I go through it. There is so much to mine in this first issue, and of course, it starts off, uh, you know, with with Batman, uh, with Batman, you know, looking at a chalkboard in what appears to be the Time Master's headquarters, uh, and there is uh, again uh, quite a bit to digest here in terms of what's going on, and. <clears throat> Uh, as you as you as you pointed out, Batman uh, Flash. It's it this this actually looks like I'm. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at this now, and this I'm not sure if this is is yeah. This is uh, I, I'm assuming that's that's is that Flashpoint Batman or is that the Batman from Earth Zero in the in this. Uh, in this no, opening that's, that's, sequence. That's, that's Bruce Wayne. So that's, Bruce, yeah, yeah, that yeah, should, that be, should our, be our, yeah, our, our Batman, I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll and, it. and, uh, and it is our, it is our Batman. It's Bruce Wayne and he's, he's in, he's in this vault that appears to be the Time Master's headquarters. And the mime and marionette are with him. And he's looking for something and he come, he, he eventually, he does in fact find it. And it's interesting. He, they come across Janie uh, Slater's watch, which is from, Watchmen, of course. So that's a Dr. Manhattan reference. And then, of course, he comes across a snow globe. I'm not, I have no idea what this snow, the significance of this snow globe w would have. Uh, I'm a little bit baffled by that. Why would a snow globe, why would Batman be fascinated by a snow globe? Hopefully somebody listening may, might know the reference. I know that we had the snowman's ticket in Leviathan, but I can't imagine it's related to that at all. I that's where my, not. yeah, that's where my mind went, but I didn't. <laughs> I mean, because that's the most recent snow globe that we saw, but I don't know how it would tie in. But leave yeah, it to Jeff. Now, so, 
figure out a way to make it work. Exactly. And that's that's what Jeff Johns is so good at. He's Jeff Johns is good at, at respecting multiple storylines, even ones that aren't very good, but he somehow makes a way of making a bad storyline actually feel good again. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, uh, Batman compliments or, or he 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 compliments uh, Mime and Marionette for, he congratulates them on having another child because they got a little girl on the way. And that's something, just a reminder, at the end of Doomsday Clock number 12, uh, young Clark, uh, the uh, the Mime and Marionette's first child uh, was taken from them in circumstances that even Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan was unaware of. Dr. Manhattan raised that young boy for a few years and then and then gave that boy to the Silk Spectre and the Night Owl to, to raise. And he became, and he, of course, his name was Clark at the end of Doomsday Clock, number 12. And, and young Clark had a sister named Sally, named after her grandmother, Sally Jupiter, the original Silk Spectre. And on that, and we should note that on that chalkboard, on that chalkboard at the, at the very beginning that Bruce Wayne is looking at, on the bottom, it says... Uh, Oh, actually, it's. I think it's later on. There, there's a there's a phrase that says "Find Clark and Sally before they die." It, it, it says somewhere else. In, in any event, it's uh, quite it's it's quite telling. Sorry, I accidentally uh, flipped on a <laughs> I flipped on another page here. But um, in any event, it's it's very interesting that the role that he's clearly taking his Doomsday Clock storyline and he's fitting this in here because at the end of Doomsday Clock, Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan came out of, uh, he sort of made himself kind of human again. He gave his powers to this young Clark, which was Mime and Marionette's son. And Mime and Marionette's son were raised by, uh, they were raised ultimately by uh, Lori Jupiter and Mason Hollis, who went by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Hollis. And they, he had a half-sister named Sally. So, what what do you know who's who's writing on this chalkboard was this bruce wayne writing all this trying to figure all this out where's he getting all this information i don't know but it 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 definitely makes one wonder what the heck is uh what the heck is going on now uh uh now continuing on uh it's interesting that bruce wayne looks at another piece on the chalkboard it says thomas wayne will die and of course, that's his father. He he must know that that's a reference to his father, the Flashpoint Batman. Obviously, we then we then switch, and we're we're in the Flashpoint universe. And of course, it's called the Clockwork Killer. Right away, when you see the word Clockwork, we're thinking of Doctor Manhattan. We know Doctor Manhattan, Watchman. The symbol of the clock is all over the Watchman. Who's the Clockwork Killer? And uh, right away, we're seeing that maybe uh, maybe this is you know is maybe this is somehow related to these of, of why does this flashpoint universe still exist we learned so many things about this uh flashpoint universe uh, and um thomas wayne himself is a, is a living paradox and one of the things that that was unexplained at the end of uh at the end of flashpoint he shows up in tom king's run we were all shocked and he tried to kill his uh, his son bruce wayne because he didn't want his bruce wayne he had some twisted logic johns has taken that storyline and you know at the end of it uh, t- thomas wayne felt guilty and he and he he you know then he sort of meanders off and he ends up uh, he ends up in uh 
the infinite frontier, working alongside President Superman Calvin Ellis in, in fighting Darkseid. He eventually gets killed by Darkseid, or so we think. And Thomas Wayne here even makes reference of that, and he doesn't understand why he's still alive. Thomas Wayne wakes up in the Flashpoint universe. It's not destroyed. He doesn't know why it's not destroyed. Uh, it's, it's almost as if... Uh, the war between the Atlanteans, uh, between Wonder Woman and Aquaman, between the Atlanteans and the Amazonians, that, that appeared to have went to fruition. The Atlanteans won. Uh, and so Wonder Woman is now captive of Aquaman. The, the heroes are looked down upon in this Flashpoint universe. And it's still a screwed up universe. Martha Kent, uh, pardon me, Martha, sorry. Martha Wayne was, of course, the Joker. Uh, Thomas Wayne is has a very bad relationship with with the uh, with Harvey Dent, who uh, is in fact I believe Harvey Dent. He's the I think he's what is he the mayor or yeah, the yeah, yeah Mayor yeah, Dent mayor. Yeah. yeah and uh, he's got a and Gilda uh, Harvey Dent's wife is traumatized. She's in Arkham Asylum and she's and and one of the inmates in Arkham Asylum is actually Roger Hayden, the psycho pirate. So. A lot of crazy things. We got we got Sandman in this universe. The Sandman, uh, uh, Mr. Dodds, of course, of the Justice Society. He, the Justice Society, went missing after a battle with Per Degaton, the time traveling villain, uh, in South in South America. Uh, we have uh, we have the Green Lantern disappearing, of course, and the Green Lantern of the in the Flashpoint universe would appear to be uh, Abin Sur, and we've got Element Man. We got Superman from the Flashpoint universe. They're wild cards. We're not sure what's going. We're not sure exactly what role they're going to play. And uh, Flashpoint Batman is trying to. He 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 wants to figure out why his universe still exists. So he looks for Barry Allen, and naturally Barry Allen Barry Allen lives in in uh, in 1956 uh, Showcase Drive, apartment number four, which is a reference to the comic book, the first appearance, <laughs> or the, the the very first appearance of the the multiverse. Uh, it was in Showcase number four, I believe, with Barry Allen and and the Flash, uh, the Flash of Two Worlds. And in any no, event, that's, so that, not, that's not the that's Flash of Two Worlds. Flash of Two Worlds is Flash One Twenty One. Showcase so number four from nineteen fifty six is the first appearance of Barry Allen Flash, which is the start of the Silver Age when they started bringing the heroes back. That's even better. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Thanks for the correction, and and uh, so yeah, that's so that's wonderful. So we got those Easter eggs, and so. He's trying to figure out what's going on, and somebody is is playing games with Thomas Wayne. Somebody is writing on his chalkboard, and it says, everything matters. And Thomas Wayne is getting angry. He's sort of reverting back to his old ways. He's angry, and he's... he's you know, he kind of reverts back to using lethal force. And this is a great scene by by Jeff Johns, scripted by Jeff Johns, because Thomas Wayne, he's almost like an avatar for us fans. Because at one point, you know, he sees somebody writes on the chalkboard, everything matters. And Thomas Wayne is thinking, what do you mean everything matters? You know, he's saying nothing matters. Nothing matters. None of this matters. It's not supposed to exist. And so how many times of us fans have we talked about with the damn Omniverse that we don't like? What's with this Omniverse? Omniverse, everything mattering. If everything matters, nothing matters. We need some continuity. We need some certainty. And we don't feel we're getting it. So we're frustrated. Some of us are. Some of us more so than others. And so I like that sort of meta aspect of this of, of this particular story that I can I can see the frustration of Thomas Wayne because don't tell me everything matters when nothing seems to matter anymore. And and so it seems that 
ironically enough, because we've identified the problem, that the problem is out there now, that, that this is once again Jeff Johns, just like when Jeff Johns did in that Rebirth special. Jeff Johns knows what the frustrations that us fans have. And he's the only writer often that is able to come forward and articulate what our fa- what we fans are feeling and, and to give us something back, to give us a little bit of hope moving forward. And it's very frustrating uh, as as much as you, you vented some, some of your own frustrations and questions about Jeff Johns' reliability. But the fact of the matter is, damn it, if, if it's so easy what Jeff Johns is doing, then why don't other writers do it or somebody else at DC get their head out of their ass so we can get more stories like this so we don't always have to go back to Jeff Johns to write these great stories. Now that's off my soapbox there for a bit. Now, there's a newspaper article. And the clockwork killer has got four victims, three of which are identified, and they're very relevant. And I had to Google this. And I, all the names of the, the victims of the clockwork killer are identified here. Very significant. The first victim is Matthew Ryder of Metropolis. If you Google Matthew Ryder, that's the wave rider. That's the wave rider that we've seen at multiple events. The second victim is Professor David Clinton of Ivytown, who is Kronos. So we got Wave Rider, we got Kronos. The third victim is a doctor somebody from San Francisco whose wife reported him missing. I'm not sure who that is. Jace, maybe you know. Um, uh, well, if you look at the picture, it says Jeffrey Smith. Okay, uh, I never... Did you Google that? I'm not sure who Jeffrey Smith is. No, I uh, uh, I didn't, but I can right now. Okay, yeah, because DC Comics Jeffrey Smith... Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to who that is. I do know that the expert, fourth victim... Sorry, go ahead. Jeff, Jeff Smith is an expert in the field of temporal mechanics. Well, there you go. Every single one of them are experts in temporal mechanics. And the fourth victim, in which shows up, is, of course, Abracadabra. And, and this is huge, because the last appearance of Abracadabra was in Titans, Volume 3, Number 6, in 2016. And when he disappeared into the Speed Force, the last thoughts that Lilith, the Titan Lilith, picked up in Abracadabra was one word, Manhattan. So that's significant. So we have so we have all these victims of the Clockwork Killer, all experts or in some area of temporal mechanics, physics, quantum, quantum physics, etc., time travel, etc., etc. And we keep getting these links and allusions to Dr. Manhattan, to aspects of the Watchmen universe. Something is afoot here. Uh, Jeff Jones is making all of this fit. And... Uh, like I said, this is this is incredible. The death of the Ab- of Abracadabra here is particularly gory. It's particularly gruesome. His innards, his his liver, spine, intestines, heart—they're all gone. It's like a mess of clock gears. I mean, the you know the allusions and of course to uh, the, the to the clockwork. I think is fairly obvious. Uh, we meet this. We meet the flashpoint. Uh, pe- flashpoint. Uh, Barry Allen here, who is who is who is very good at at being a, a forensic investigator, a forensic scientist, but he doesn't have much of a social life. He breaks his date, or he doesn't break his date, but he shows up late for his date with Fiona, a gorgeous redhead. He he's more concerned with his career than he is about his social life, and ultimately, Thomas Wayne confronts him because Thomas Wayne wants to essentially. Say, Barry, do you remember anything? Barry, this Barry Allen doesn't remember anything. This Barry Allen thinks his mother is still alive. And of course, she still is alive in the Flashpoint universe. Her being alive is what caused the Flashpoint paradox to begin with. And 
Thomas Wayne just gets frustrated with Barry and basically says, you know, enough of this. I'm just going to inject you, put you to sleep, and then I'm going to I'm going to tie you into the I'm going to take you to the highest point in Gotham and we're going to just duplicate the event that turned you into the Flash. I got the chemical set up. You'll get hit by lightning. You'll turn into the Flash. Unfortunately, before that happens, an, an Atlantean assassin hired by Aquaman uh, basically shoots out the shoots the chemicals. So when the lightning hits, instead of turning into the Flash, Barry Allen is killed. It ruins Flashpoint Batman's plans. He goes after the killer. And unfortunately, I mean, the killer just basically tells him, you know, confirms that he was hired by Aquaman and it's we discover that Aquaman himself the Flashpoint Aquaman seems to know what seems to know what Fla- Flashpoint Batman what Thomas Wayne is up to about trying to get the Flash and trying to undo all that is done and so how does the Fla- how does Aquaman know that how does Flashpoint Aquaman know the truth it's clear that somebody other than simply Thomas Wayne knows the truth of the way of the way things ought to be uh, meanwhile, we have uh, uh, Dexter Dent, who is uh, Harvey Dent's uh, son, manages to survive uh, an assassination attempt, but uh, Harvey Dent himself is killed. Uh, Thomas Wayne ends up saving the young Dexter Dent. And and uh, ultimately, uh, he's got his own... Uh, he's got his own trauma that he experienced. Thomas Wayne continues to remember the death of his uh, son, Tom, uh, of course, Bruce Wayne. And this is where Thomas Wayne loses it. He he utilizes lethal force again. It's sort of like he's given up. At one point, Thomas Wayne almost achieved a kind of redemption of a kind in that he was inspired by his son, Bruce Wayne, to maybe be a better Batman, a better man. But ultimately, he's he goes back on that and he feels like nothing matters and he uses lethal force and he kills the Atlantean assassin because he's, you can tell he's frustrated He's downtrodden. He's he's depressed. He's angry. He doesn't know what's going on, and he he wants to get to the bottom of things. And ultimately, at the end, we see Gilda in Arkham Asylum. Gilda, who is Harvey Dent's wife, in Arkham Asylum, insisting that she wants to see Thomas. She wants to speak to to uh, Thomas Wayne, uh, to Doctor Wayne, because uh, of course Thomas Wayne is a doctor. And then we see Roger Hayden there complaining that everything is upside down again. And of course, uh, what does he mean by upside down? Well, we know that Psycho Pirate is always there during all the crises. He was there during Original Crisis, Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis. He was there in Infinite Frontier with Darkseid until Darkseid discarded him. And now we, and we, the reference to upside down could be a reference that everything's upside down again, meaning there's another crisis. It could also be a reference to the upside down man in Justice League Dark, who knows? It's like Jeff Johns is leaving clues that you can make uh, make connections to whatever you like. We get to the final, we get to one of the, the second epilogue and we see Bruce Wayne making connections between the divine continuum, this the omniverse, the hypertime, limbo, vanishing point, the dark multiverse, multiverse, the metaverse, the sphere of the gods. It's in he, he's he's drawing this rich labyrinth of of connections that we readers who've been with DC for so long, who love the DC universe. This is the, the love letter to us telling us that, guys, everything matters. And, and it's a counterpoint to Thomas Wayne's frustration where Thomas Wayne says nothing matters. Well, guess what it does. So Thomas Wayne is, is, is the cynical Batman and Bruce Wayne is the analytical, optimistic one. He's going to draw the connections. 
And my favorite favorite line in the comic is when Batman, looking at his own chalkboard, and he sees the Divine Continuum, of course, Divine Continuum, the acronym being DC. It's perfect. It's beautiful. He says, considering the number of times I've saved the Divine Continuum, it owes me one. Just think about it. How many times has Batman saved DC? And of course, all this talk, especially in this last year about Batman comics, you know, too many Batman comics in the DC universe. It's Batman. Without Batman, there'd be no DC universe. There is some truth to that in terms of sales. There is some truth to that, to the to the power of Batman. And the fact that it's once again, it's it's almost speaking. It's There's that meta aspect of it sort of speaking outside the comic. It just puts a smile on my face. Uh, I love this. And then at the end, we get a, we get a typical John's kind of wild card reference with Corky Baxter, who's a member of the Time Masters, uh, going, you know, a, a, another time reference. We're, we have a clockwork killer here that's killing off people who are experts in time travel and, and, and in quantum mechanics and the multiverse itself. We've got the Time Masters involved here that are concerned about what both Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne are doing at different points in the multiverse here, one on, in the Flashpoint Paradox Earth and one in the mainstream DCU. All this connective tissue and just so many references there. Uh, I love the reference to the Justice Society uh, in the, in the, we have a reference to a Justice Society uh, when he talks about his daughter will rejoin the Justice Society to save it. Is that a reference to Jade? Uh, Who's hunting the Time Masters? We don't know. Uh, Somebody is looking for his son and we should not interfere with that. Who's looking for his son? I, I I don't know. The Mime and Marionette's son is is Clark. Is is the new Doctor Manhattan of the old at the end of Doomsday Clock? Uh, it references to Deathstroke. Why is Deathstroke not acting like Deathstroke? Is he an imposter? That's a reference to Shadow War. Uh, we got the fall of the Justice League, and the rise of what? Well, the rise of the Great Darkness. I assume the fall of the Justice League with the Great Darkness. Uh, might wipes out the Justice League. There's no spoilers there. We all know that's going to happen uh, in the next week or so. Uh, and beyond the Omniverse, what's beyond it to where? We don't know. Those are the big questions. I'm, I, love, I love this so much. My biggest concern, though, is Jeff John starts this off on, on firing in all cylinders in my mind. My concern is I know that in subsequent issues, it's not just Jeff John's writing it, but Jeremy Adams, who I love. I love his work on Flash, but Tim Sheridan, I'm less a fan of, and I hope these guys bring their A game. I know Tim Sheridan's taken a, more criticism, uh, well, a lot of criticism for his Teen Titans Academy. Jeremy Adams, most people have been singing his praises on on the Flash, and I'm really hoping that that they're inspired to bring their ultimate best, especially Tim Sheridan, uh, because I'm more concerned about his writing. But I, I think that hopefully inspired by Jeff Johns that all three working together can bring their A-game to this. And I just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. I feel, like I, I feel like DC of old right now has returned. And um, yeah, man. You're, you're, uh, what about you? Well, I mean, yeah, Jeff Johns is bringing in a lot of different storylines. He's trying to, in a way, clean up the mess that DC's been for the last few years when he hasn't been around. Um, basically, you know, he did Doomsday Clock, and and that was it. Uh, I think he, what he wrote, the Stargirl one-shot, that was, you know, interesting, but nothing ever came of it. So, 
Yeah, it, but it's just it's it's too bad that he has to do that. You know, at some point he's not going to be able to reconcile it, everything. He he always does a great job of of doing that, but at some point it's going to become too messy. So it goes back to what I said before. If 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 he wants to be involved in DC Comics, and be involved. And if you don't, then step away. Because um, again, I think even you know doing his best, there are things here that aren't going to make sense, um, and we just have to take that for what it is. How, how the Flashpoint universe is back, how this part of the multiverse is back, I guess that's the whole point of this story, how Thomas Wayne is still alive and, and what's going on. I question the use of the mime and the marionette, because although they're very, very cool characters, it feels like just a little bit of Jeff patting himself on the back a little bit, because uh, according to Batman, they're going to just go on their own way now, and so it's almost like, hey, why did you have to put them in here? It didn't necessarily seem like they were they were necessary, but again... Good to see them and, you know, a few fans of, of Doomsday Clock and, and whatnot. So what exactly Bruce Wayne is up to? I mean, at the end of the day, this feels like a, a story that should have come out very quickly after the button, right? The button crossover between Batman and Flash with Barry Allen and, and Batman trying to figure out who was messing with the DC Universe, how uh, the New 52 happened in the first place. But again, Doomsday Clock took so long to come out, you know, and here we are five years after the button, I think, that we're finally getting this story. So is that how this is all going to play out? Who's hunting the Time Masters? You know, we don't know. The central mystery, of course, here being how how did, you know, not only how does Thomas Wayne still exist, how does the Flashpoint universe still exist, but like he himself says in his own words, you know, the last thing uh, I remember Darkseid, his eyes glowing, I should be dead. So is this some sort of pocket universe that was created by Darkseid's Omega Beams? Could that be what what's happening? Again, we we just don't know. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that all uh, that all plays out. There's a lot of this that feels very reminiscent of of that time period of that Flashpoint world and how much darker it was. You know, with the Atlanteans and the Themyscarians at war, or the Amazonians, however you want to put it. Um, and it was just, it was a darker world, you know, one in which Batman killed, one in which there wasn't Superman. We talk about it a lot. As go the Superman titles, so goes the DC universe. Here's that in meta form, right? Like actually in the books, in a, a multiverse, in a, a reality of DC showing us that without Superman, and he does come later, but he's not the same, you know, he's very emaciated. Uh, he didn't grow up big and strong on a farm with you know, middle American values instilled in him from the Kents. So he's, he's very much a different sort of Superman. He's not that symbol of hope. And so that's a lot of why you have this, this darker version of the, the DC universe, this sort of funhouse mirror uh, reflection that is the Flashpoint uh, multiverse or Flashpoint universe. So yeah, you're right. Thomas Wayne definitely is the, the driving force in this story. At times, he's our POV character, uh, but he does lash out. It is that anger, like you said, going back into to bad habits. Didn't he say he learned his lesson? Uh, and he says as much here, you know, that he, he made a mistake in, in trying to take out his own son. And, you know, he learned his lesson. So, you know, I find that to be very interesting. I also like the juxtaposition. So in Flashpoint Beyond, or in Flashpoint, rather, if you guys have read that story, spoilers, if you haven't, it's it's – Barry Allen, it's, it's Barry Allen Prime that goes to the Flashpoint universe and then recruits and convinces the Thomas Wayne Batman, hey, you need to help me. This isn't how reality is really supposed to be. 
In this story, the shoe's on the other foot. It's Thomas Wayne, Batman, that knows that, hey, this is not the reality. And he goes to Barry Allen and is trying to convince him. And Barry won't believe it for a second. I didn't mind that necessarily. It is, you know, pretty far-fetched. But obviously, Barry Allen is the key, right? I mean, he's Barry Allen's actions and, and choices. And that was a big controversy. Barry Allen would be so selfish to go back and save his own mom. And I don't know that that controversy ever really went away. People just, I guess, shut up about it because enough time had gone by. But, you know, there's still, I wonder if this will bring that back at all, you know, Barry Allen fans, I remember being in an uproar, Barry would never be so selfish to do that, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, it is his fault at the end of the day. It is Barry Allen's fault. And he is the one who's best suited to fix it. And so, you know, you mentioned that Atlantean assassin killing him and throwing a wrench into Thomas Wayne's plans. I mean, yeah, that's another holy shit moment in this book where you're like, well, now what? Who else could have the possible ability to, to travel, you know, through the multiverse and, and fix this now? And as far as Aquaman knowing, um, my guess is we're going to find out whoever the clockwork killer is told Aquaman. And Aquaman then in turn sent an assassin to prevent Barry Allen from turning into the Flash. Uh, probably this clockwork killer saying to Aquaman, hey, you don't want to lose – you know, lose your power, lose, um, you know, you've won the war against the uh, Amazons. You don't want to have a reality rewritten where you didn't win that war and you don't have all this power. And if you want to, you know, keep your power and keep your throne, you need to, you know, make sure this guy doesn't turn into uh, the person who can stop you, basically. So, you know, in, in this reality, Aquaman is very much a despot and he clearly want, wanted to retain his power. So, who is the Clockwork King? I mean, that maybe more so than, you know, how does Flashpoint reality still exist? How is Thomas Wayne back there? How is Thomas Wayne still alive? Maybe the, the more important question is who is the Clockwork King? Because once we find out who the Clockwork King or, or Clockwork uh, Killer is, then that might answer those other questions. And I, I have a I have a theory because I'm, I'm wondering if – could it be young Clark, the the, the – the, uh, the, the young boy that Dr. Manhattan gave his power to at the end of Doomsday Clock number 12, who was the half-brother of uh, Sally, uh, Sally uh, Hollis. Uh, the, uh, you know, because they're half-siblings. Sally and Clark are half-siblings and the, and the children of uh, Silk Spectre and Owlman <laughs> living in the DC, the regular DC universe. So that's, that's, what, that's how Doomsday Clock number 12 ended. So I think he's a prime suspect. The, the clockwork uh, killer could indeed be a very young. He definitely has the, he definitely has the power, and based on who based on who the clockwork killer has been taken out, you know people who would who would be aware of the timeline being altered and might be able to you know figure out a way to stop him. My only my only hesitancy to say that it's him is I don't know what motive he would have. What what would be his motive to? Yeah. To, want to want the flashpoint, flashpoint reality to exist. Yeah. Well, we also have because you're right. The lack of a motive right now, uh, one can speculate. But we also know that Per Degaton is missing. Per Degaton uh, apparently was involved in an adventure in South America that took out the Justice or Justice Society, and so the Justice Society is missing. So maybe Per Degaton is a is a is a potential suspect. Um, 
we know that the you know normally you could almost predict Wave Rider and Kronos could be suspects, but they were killed. So the Clockwork Killer, clearly the Clockwork uh, the Clockwork Killer is probably somebody who also like the people he's killing has a knowledge of time travel and the multiverse. And so, to me, we got to go through and eliminate all the suspects, and I haven't had enough time to do that. But I think it. I think I enjoy this murder mystery here, and I hope Jeff Johns can uh, drops us some clues, or through Tim Sheridan and J- Jeremy Adams, that we keep, we get some clues to that regard as this story progresses. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's got to be somebody you don't expect, or somebody who hasn't manipulated things in the past. I, I just don't see Jeff Johns going back to the well and. It's Reverse Flash or it's Professor Zoom or it's the Time Trapper. Um, you know, those things have been done. Although I do I do recall – who was it that – I don't even remember the story now. Was it in um, Infinite – or no, was it in Generations? That that was you know, originally supposed to be Generation Zero and Generation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. That we had a guy who was – Manipulating time, and then had a reality where he would, where he was normal, and had a wife and kids. Is any of this right. ringing a bell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was in that was in the Generation Zero, I think. The Generation yeah. Zero. Uh, I forget and his I name though. Yeah, but I don't remember his name either. But yeah, could it possibly be him? Um, yeah, like you said, the 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 young Clark that got Doctor Manhattan's powers, obviously prime suspect, but. At the end of the day, we don't. I don't think we have enough information. It's all speculation at this point. Who's hunting the time hunters is another question that's written on that chalkboard. That's very interesting because we got Corky Baxter showing up, you know, with all his braggadocio. Good, good, accurate depiction of him from Jeff Johns, um, you know. And Batman makes the, the allusion to it um, in the first part of the story where he tells Mime and Marionette the time hunters. You know, uh, I think it's Marionette that says, uh, you know, aren't you worried they're going to find us here and, and you know, we're going to be in trouble basically uh, having to, you know, fight them or they'll change our history or they'll mess with us in some way. And Batman's like, oh, they got their own problems right now. And then we see on the chalkboard that question, you know, who's hunting the time hunters. So I'm curious what that, who that is, what's going on there. Obviously, Corky feels uh, confident enough to come in and threaten Batman saying you just opened up a can of worms and we're going to make you eat them. Is that just, you know, Corky being Corky? Um, you know, he's a, he's a little kid. He's prone to uh, irrational behavior, I'll say. I'll say like that. Uh, he's kind of a, a, you know, wild, kind of a brat at the end of the day. Uh, so how that's all going to play out, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, so, yeah, there, I mean, the, the best part about this and what I do love about it is the same thing that, that Rocky was talking about in terms of, how much it ties into previous storylines and previous events, and it mines DC history really, really well. But you come to expect that from from Jeff Johns, you know. Um, obviously, I've expressed my worry about Johns' dependability, but my guess is that that's the reason he has these co-writers. So I'm not too worried about it, or I'm less worried, I should say, about it being late. I trust Jeremy Adams. Yeah, even though Tim Sheridan on his own maybe didn't get the pacing or um, wasn't able to uh, edit, self-edit his story enough to get it in the pages of the book. Because I, I do think Tim Sheridan's Teen Titans Academy run would have been good if he just hadn't tried to cram so much in it, into it. Um, and so with these co-writers and, and you know, everybody kind of pulling their weight, I think they'll probably be fine. In my, in my mind, it's like, 
Jeff Johns has these two co-writers. He's what he's what he's writing it, and he's telling them, "Okay, I need you to research this. I need you to research that." I have a feeling that he, you know, this is his structure, and they're helping out. But you know, he's doing the the heavy lifting in form in terms of the outline. They may be doing some scripting, and yeah, they're certainly building it together. But you know, this is this is building off of a Jeff Johns, you know, initial idea or initial outline. So I'm not too worried about Tim Sheridan's track record. Um, but yeah, hopefully it, it comes out on time. The last thing that I'll mention, we haven't talked about the art at all. Um, and I, I do, you know, I, this is a very well put together story. Um, you know, and, and Jeff Johns, I don't know that he's ever worked with Eduardo Riso before. And, and Riso most notably made a name for himself working with Brian Azzarello on 100 Bullets. Now, Flashpoint the Flashpoint universe, Flashpoint reality is a very dark reality, like I said. And so in terms of the aesthetic, Riso's art works well, you know, with watercolor backgrounds. And I mean, they're probably digitally painted with watercolor brushes or whatnot. Um, but it's very bleak and it's very glum. Uh, but again, I don't have a problem with that. It, it very much suits the story. He draws a good Thomas Wayne. He's an excellent storyteller uh, in terms of transitions from panel to panel and getting across the aesthetic that uh, that Johns and Adams and Sheridan are putting in, in the script. I think that all comes across really, really well. All that being said, I'm not particularly a fan of his his style, his his line work. It's not even I mean, like I said, it's it's more of a almost a watercolor style. It's he has a very unique style um, and it, it's not a. I would say a traditional DC house style. And when it comes to these kind of events like this, that's just my preference. Again, it's just a personal thing. Um, you know, again, very, very good storyteller. And you can see that even when he does splash pages, uh, there's the, the page where Thomas Wayne Batman takes out the uh, Atlantean assassin and it's a splash page, but it can be, he conveys a lot in that, in that image, you know, it's a static one giant static image, no panels, no insets, nothing. Uh, but he conveys a lot in that. So, uh, so he is a great storyteller. It's just for me personally, would he have been my choice for this? No. Um, because again, when it comes to these type of events, I want somebody who gives me a very traditional DC style, you know, going all the way back to crisis on infinite earth with George Perez or the first flashpoint with Adam Kubert. Like these are, these are comic book artists whose art looks like it belongs in a comic book as opposed uh, to Riso, whose art is a little, you know, leans more a little toward the fine art sort of uh, perspective. But again, I'm not disparaging his storytelling at all because he's a fantastic storyteller. Um, the emotion in the faces, his choices for where to put the camera, uh, all of that works exceptionally well. Uh, but when it comes to, like his anatomy and um, his choices on, on where to spot the blacks and that sort of stuff. It's just, it's not my particular cup of tea. Uh, again, very depressing in a way. Very like glum is the word that I, I kept coming back to gloomy, you know, when you, when you read it. And, and again, that's partially the aesthetic they're going for, but keep in mind, that's the aesthetic they were going for the first time we got introduced to the flashpoint reality. And that was Adam Kubert who also did a good job of making it feel like a dark, depressing world 
but it still was, you know, traditional comic book art. So, uh, so yeah, that, uh, he's not the artist on the regular series. Uh, it's Zermanico whose art is much more of that style that I'm talking about. So I'm going to be real curious to see, um, how that plays out with the Zermanico line work. And I, I should give a shout out to Trish Mulvihill as well. She's the color artist. Um, she does a great job of, of getting that, um, gloomy sort of atmosphere, uh, across as well. Uh, and Rob Lee handles the letters. He does a, an exceptional job also. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I enjoyed it for a lot of the reasons that, that Rocky said, just how much it ties in and mines from, from DC history. Um, but yeah, not my favorite choice for art style from Eduardo Riso. And then, yeah, I sure hope it comes out on time. I hate for it to lose momentum. So. Yeah. Anything to add about the art, Rocky? Uh I love the art. It's it's very consistent. We had uh, last week. We had the full uh, trade of the of the history of uh, Thomas Wayne, the Flashpoint Batman from uh, from Edward uh, from uh, Brian Azzarello's and Edward uh, Rizzo's uh, original three issue series of the the history of Thomas Wayne and basically the origin of uh, Martha Wayne or Martha Wayne is the Joker. And of course, that artistically, that's very consistent. It's people that can, can pick up that trade and go into Flashpoint Beyond. And artistically, it's going to feel like it's the same story, a continuation. So I would encourage people that if you're not familiar with the Flashpoint universe, to pick up that trade uh, that came out last week about the Flashpoint Batman, because that's a really great, good segue into Flashpoint Beyond. Because uh, you, you'll you'll understand the gist of it, and I think uh, I, I think artistically it's it's beautifully consistent. It's the pages pop off the page. Patricia, Patricia Mulville's colors are are excellent. This this is uh, again, I'm loving this, and I'm really hoping. I think that it's easy for people that are just coming onto this to sort of catch on to catch on to the story because you don't need. If you have a history of the DC universe like we do, a knowledge of it, you're going to get that much more out of it. But even if you don't, this is a good murder mystery, and there and there are, you know, th this is filled with a uh, a rich story that's I think easy to follow. It's not complicated. It's paced well. It's structured well. And I think this is uh, as, as long as the pacing keeps up like this, it should be a, 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 a you know a, a pretty good series. Yeah. When does issue one come out? Do we? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah, like I said, Zermanico on the uh, the art for the regular series. So mm. very curious to see what what that's going to look like. And I, it is five issues, right? I'm, I'm almost positive that it is. I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like the first issue, Flashpoint Beyond, number one, comes out May third. Mitch Garrett is doing all the doing the main covers for all of them. Um, and yeah, they're all written by Johns, Adams and Sheridan in terms of, uh, in terms of the writers. Yeah. Five issues and all the regular covers have been revealed. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, one last thought that I'll finish up with is, uh, it's flashpoint beyond. Now the first flashpoint by Jeff Johns. Obviously, they knew it was going to lead into the New 52, but it was very much a Flash story. It's the first time we got introduced to Thomas Wayne, um, you know, version of Batman. And DC promoted it heavily. And even at San Diego Comic-Con that year, they, they had these Wayne casino chips. I don't know if you guys can see that. 
Like it, it was just a cool, it was a really cool event. But at the end of the day, even though Thomas Wayne Batman was a really important character, Flashpoint Beyond, as indicated by the title, perhaps Flash, was a Flash story. <laughs> I would not say. I mean, especially based on the fact Barry Allen dies in this issue. Uh, this Flashpoint Beyond certainly feels like a Batman story, and not a. I mean, we got we got Thomas Wayne Batman working in the, the Flashpoint universe trying to fix things, and we got Batman from our universe trying to you know figure out what the hell's going on as well. So. Maybe it should come as no surprise what's a, one of the big differences between DC 2011 and DC 2022, 11 years later. Even more Batman. Even more Batman. <laughs> well, as Batman himself says in the comic, you know, DC owes him one. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I apparently. You have to wonder, like, how much do we owe him? Because we must owe him a lot because he's in a lot yeah. of things. Yeah, I mean, think back to, I mean, I think back to DC in 2011, how much Batman there was. It felt like so much Batman and it has only continued that, that trajectory of the amount of Batman has only continued. I mean, you only have to look at our books that we're spotlighting this week. You know, we got Flashpoint Beyond, this one's Batman story, Batman 89, Future State Gotham, Batman Catwoman, I Am Batman, Batman Urban Legends, Batgirls. Yeah. Yeah. Way too many. Yeah. It's insane. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, all right. Any last thoughts about Flashpoint Beyond Zero? Uh, well, uh, it, it's to me, it's that I'm, I'm most excited about this uh, and, and Dark Crisis because I actually think uh, – I do think that there's probably going to be some, some references here and some tie-ins uh, to Dark Crisis. It's not inconsistent with Dark Crisis really. It's I, I think it's uh, – I think it's just, it's very well done. And as somebody who loves the DC universe, to me, this is a must buy. I personally think that Doomsday Clock, number 12, should have been, that series should have been the template for the DC universe moving forward. Unfortunately, as you said, because the delays made it such a gong show that I think Jeff Johns did his story a disservice. And because at the end of Doomsday Clock, it talked about a secret crisis coming up. It talked about a future crossover with, it even hinted at a future crossover with Marvel-like characters. And even the idea of a secret crisis, I mean, it, it promised so much cool stuff, but it was overridden by death metal. And and I am not a fan of death metal. And uh, anyways, I'm just glad that we're sort of back on track because I'm a Jeff Johns fan his pers- his conception of the dc universe he just gets it and and again if any writer has any inkling jeff johns is the reason why is the reason why you hire fans of dc not up and coming writers that want to make a name for themselves and then go become screenwriters which ironically enough i guess that's what jeff johns ultimately ended up doing so i should just eat my words but my rant is over all right fair enough well that's going to do it for this episode everybody don't forget two other episodes out today we have the wonder woman 786 spotlight which is i think we're up to part five of trial of the amazons so go check that out if you're curious about the trial of the amazons then we have the regular spotlight issue with all the rest of the uh titles that are dropping today so we appreciate your support as always go listen to the other episodes and we'll talk to you next time see you later you can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. 
Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.